What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter at that handle, or you can follow me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter as well. Either one. The other one doesn't have much traffic, but it's fine. Um, We are in season six, so that means we're looking at the original mystery stories today. We are looking at one from 1945 called The Clue in the Crumbling Wall. Which, yeah, good times. Um, So this one starts off with a massive storm, which, of course, in literary terms is always going to be significant. Um, Nancy's running home, and people are like, oh, you can come stay on my porch. And she's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to run home. It's it's fine. And it's terrible, and it's like 20 minutes of like massive downpour. And when Nancy and Hannah look outside, because, of course, Hannah is home, of course, um, Four of her fucking rose bushes are gone, which Nancy is super pissed about because she's like, I literally just planted those motherfuckers. Like, why would you do this? And Hannah's like, I cannot believe this. Crime is rampant. <laughs> Who the fuck steals rose bushes? Nancy's like, rose bushes are scarce this year, so this is especially bad. And Hannah's like, I'm going to call the police. And I was like, how the fuck do you, do you look at the cops and you're like, I want you to look at all the rose bushes and see which ones look like they came from my house. Like, what the fuck? But it's fine. So Hannah calls the cops and the cops are like, yes, we have had a rash of these things. And Nancy's like, what the, what, what? Uh, And Hannah's like, they're going to send a cop. It's fine. The cop has information. So Nancy's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to chill here. Uh, while they're waiting for the cop, this dude walks up the street. He's selling clams, of course, because that's a normal American thing to be doing. And Nancy's like, oh, it's me, Hardy, because apparently when Nancy was a little girl, she misunderstood him because he's a sailor and he likes to say me, Hardy's all the time. So she was like, me, Hardy is his name, which sounds 100% on brand and also adorable. So everybody calls him me, Hardy now because Nancy, of course, is the trendsetter for River Heights. So he walks up and Hannah's like, I do not need any clams. Oh my God. We are just lousy with clams. No clams are needed in this house. And Nancy's like, I hear what you're saying, but he's probably going to talk in and bind some. So of course he does. He's like, you do know that this one time this guy found a pearl in one of these clams. And Nancy was like, what I would not do with some additional pocket money. Oh my God. So they buy two dozen clams and take them in the house and shock them. And Nancy's like, oh, I guess, I guess no pearls. And Hannah's like, yeah, we just shucked a bunch of clamps for nothing. (laughs) But in the very last one, Nancy's washing it off and she finds a pearl. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to take it to this random dude that I know who is not Mr. Faber, who I don't, I don't remember dude's name. I know that it's not Mr. Faber because I love Mr. Faber because he is shipping my OTP. So it's fine. Oh, for you, honey. OTP is one true pairing, which Nancy and Ned are my one true pairing of all time. They are my ultimate one true pairing. They're the ones that I would die for. I love y'all. Anyway, so Mr. Faber ships him. Nancy takes the pearl to somebody else that she knows. And when she walks into the store, she has to wait for like 30 minutes because the other customer that's in there is being a total dick. And when he leaves, the guy who runs the store is like, yeah, I would be happy to never see that man's face again. And Nancy's like, who the fuck was that? And the shopkeeper's like, his name is Hector Keep, and he's a lawyer, and I fucking hate him. What you got? And Nancy's like, oh, a pearl. And the guy's like, oh, my God. 
another pearl where did it come from and Nancy's like the river and he's like do you have the shell that came with it and Nancy's like I will go back and get that because apparently this dude wants to display the pearl with the shell that it sure I mean that seems reasonable anyway so Nancy goes home with her purse under her arm and of course somebody who watched her walk into the shop snatches her fucking purse and runs away with it and a guy who nancy almost runs into when she's in hot pursuit is like what, what's going on nancy's in my purse and so by the end of it like she and this guy are trying to track down the purse snatcher but do not actually recover said purse so she walks into the closest police station and they're like two police reports in two hours so actually in one hour you're just batting a thousand and nancy's like thank you for that at least she only had 70 cents in her purse which this is 1945 those are probably some hard 170 cents um also like a handkerchief and a compact of course i mean what else are you gonna have driver's licenses are for losers so so she heads home oh also gas rationing would have meant the driver's license they do some driving in this book but anyway so nancy heads home Ooh, okay the cop who showed up the cop who showed up to Nancy's house, which I think happened like right after she got back home. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Um, is a lady cop. And this lady cop who is in full uniform and they make a really weird like they're like her voice was rich and cultured. Like she ain't no like city lady cop. I, I don't really. It, it was kind of fascinating to me because they were like, this is clearly an oddity. And that it is 1945, but also, I guess all the cops are also on the front lines, maybe? IDK. Anyway, so she comes out there and she's like, yeah, I think I know where your rose bushes are. And Nancy's like, that was fucking fast. I am in awe. Also, you seem pretty awesome. And the cop, whose name is Mrs. Mass, Miss, Miss, yeah, cop, Lady Cop Masters. <laughs> Newest drag name. Um, So Lady Cop Masters is like, yeah, I've, I've got a lead. I, I think I know who stole it. Let's go. Also, I've heard of you, and you seem pretty fucking awesome. Like, it's kind of interesting that there's, like, this mutual respect, adoration, maybe a little bit of a girl crush going on between the two of them. That's fine. So she's like, I'm going to take you to where I think the rose bushes are. So they go to, of course, the sketch part of town because all the criminals in River Heights are from the sketch part of town, other than Ray Bolt, who can kiss my ass. Um, yeah. So, um, Lady Cop Masters tells the story of this poor little girl named Joan, who loves flowers and seeds and everything botanical, but her family's fucking poor as shit, and you're like, oh, oh, I see. This is the poor waif, innocent orphan who we are going to be helping out this book, and you are correct. So, they go to Joan's house. Joan's house is, of course, shambles, just decrepit falling down like again we're in the rough part of town it's not good um so Joan walks around the house when lady cop walks up and she's like what and she looks like she's about to run away and lady cop is like it's fine it's fine come back and Joan's like what's happening and Nancy's like so those are some nice rose bushes you got over there and the girl looks chagrined and lady cop is like why did you steal the rose bushes and Joan's like uh this little boy I was playing with said that it would be a good idea and Nancy's like why what the what are you doing anyway so they go in to talk to her mom which the lady cop is like let's just I mean little girl's like eight um she she got a shit life 
And the little girl starts crying whenever they're like, you know, you need to return the rose bushes, right? And the little girl's like, this wouldn't have happened if we could have nice things. And and if my aunt would come back, then we could have nice things. And Nancy's like, pourquoi? And the lady cop's like, let's go inside and talk to the mom. She can give you the all the dish. She can give, spill all the tea on this. So they go inside. This is the most hilarious thing so far in this book. Um, the mom who is laying on the couch, Nancy's like, she could be no more than 30, but she looked 50 thanks to some real deep worry lines on her face. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is happening? Anyway, so the mom who was laying on the couch and is like, man, we've got a shitty life. Um, She is a widow, of course, because again, Nancy's 100% goal at all times is to help widows and orphans. Um, And she tells the story of her sister. Her sister's name is Flossie, but her, she changed her name to Floriana because she's a dancer and she's a real awesome one of that like she's just knocking it out of the park but she vanished like based on what they're talking about in the book like it was before Joan was born actually so Joan only knows of her aunt through like stories that her mom tells um so she went to have a month's rest somewhere and then never came back she was engaged to a guy whose last name was Heath and they were going to get married, and then she went away, and she never came back. And so the guy died a few years later and had no idea what had happened to her. So in her will, I'm sorry, in his will, he left her his entire castle because he has a fucking castle on the shores of the river where we're getting all these clams. And if Flory, Flossie, Floriana... Flossie, I think I'm just going to say Flossie because it's easier. Um, if Flossie does not return within five years of his death and it's going to be turned into a park. Of course, all of this seems natural and normal and exactly like one would find in a romance novel. It's fine. Um, so the deadline is in three weeks. And you're like, of course it fucking is. So if they can track down Flossie, then Flossie can claim the inheritance of the estate. But has to be within the next three weeks or else it turns into a public park and that's it. So the sister is, of course, has given up hope and Nancy's like, do you, do you think that she's dead? And the sister's like, no, I'm pretty sure I would have heard about it if she died, but like, she's clearly not coming back and I have no idea how to track her down. And I'm like, it is 1945. Like Google is not a thing. We could not have tracked down her social security number or her information on social media. So I get that. So... Um, but Nancy doesn't, like, do anything at this point. She's like, oh, that, that really sucks for you. But, like, the cop who has ulterior motives and all of this is like, yeah, it sure is a shame that they can't find this aunt who could mysteriously and magically solve all their problems. Because, again, we cannot talk about systemic reform here or the failures of capitalism. We need to depend upon individual <laughs> contributions to get through this. Anyway, so, uh, Nancy returns home. Um, she's really fascinated by Heath Castle, though. Like, she's like, maybe there's a clue as to what Flossie's doing there. Like, IDK. Like, she's got nowhere else to start, honestly. They they don't even know where she went on her little, like, rest cure. I mean, you would say bath, and you would probably be correct, but we're in the United States. So, anyway. So, Nancy, of course, drafts Bess and George and is like, hey, let's go check out this abandoned castle and of course her two chums are like hell yeah let's check out an abandoned castle like I've got nothing else better to do so 
they rent a boat which starts leaking immediately and Bess is like this seems like an incredibly shitty plan and Nancy's like I'm sure we'll get there okay if, if George keeps bailing out the boat and George is like I got this and you're like maybe get a boat that is not leaking IDK um so Nancy is like furiously navigating Bess is just doing everything she, Bess and George are doing everything they can to keep the boat upright and um this other like blue and white boat totally fucking crashes into them out of nowhere of course because as you know we've got 25 chapters we need 25 cliffhangers so um Bess of course hits her head on the boat and falls out of it because that all seems reasonable and so Nancy dives into the water to get her friend who of course has been stunned and they don't want her to drown and George is like we need to go after them and Nancy's like or save your cousin. So they get, they fish Bess out of the water and Bess is okay. But Bess is like, and now I want to go home. And Nancy's like, you're not wrong. Also clouds. And also the boat is sinking. Like there's, there's just a, a lot going wrong here. Let's just regroup and start this again tomorrow. So they get home. There's no mention of a doctor <laughs> or maybe getting Bess checked out. We're just like, maybe just go home and have a hot water bottle. We don't know. The next day, um, the three of them decide to go back, and they found a road to get to Heath Castle they're hopeful for. Um, also, at some point during this, Nancy goes over to meet Hardy's house, which is a yacht. Of course it's a yacht. Of course it's a fucking yacht. It's like a decrepit yacht, but it's still a yacht. Um, she walks in, and he's eating pork and beans straight out of the can, because, of course, it's 1945, and he's a sailor, and if you ain't going to lean in on this shit, what else are you going to do? So... Nancy's like, yeah, this dude totally ran into me, and I was just wondering, since you're over in that area fairly often, if you had seen anybody meeting that description, and me Hardy's like, I will totally check everything out for you. I have not seen anybody like that, but I got your back on this, and Nancy's like, fucking A. So, she, Bess, and George get in the car, and, um, yeah, I don't think that they'd even decided at this point. Um, they get in the car and find a road that goes out to the castle because originally they're told that the best way to approach it is the water. And then they're like, oh, no, there's this unmarked trail that we can use to get there. Which, side note, I'm getting super similar vibes to um, Moss Covered Mansion in which, like, they discover this creepy place and they're like, we need to explore every single bit of this. Like to no apparent reason like there's no reason to think there would be any sort of like clues as to where Flossie went at this castle but I don't know you do you it's fine it's it's like catnip to her it's an abandoned building that could save somebody's livelihood IDK so they pull up and there's a gate which has big old rusty spikes on top of it and Bess is like I'm not here for this shit Nancy's like "Mm, me either let's let's just climb the wall so they climb up the wall and Bess is like, I am not fucking doing that. I am wearing a good dress. And Nancy's like, uh, then I guess you'll have to stay here. And George is like, just get your ass up this wall, girl. So Bess was like, oh, okay. And honestly, you've been friends with Nancy for a hot minute. Why are you wearing a good dress? You're going to get muddy. <laughs> There's no way you're not. Wear some big old boots dress like you were about to go on an archaeological expedition. So, um, they get over the wall, and it's just like flat-out jungle in there. Like, it's, it's been overgrown for five years. It's, there's apparently, like, some beautiful gardens attached to the estate. Like, it was well-kept, and everything was fantastic, and then, like, absolutely nothing's been done. Like, 
Oh, you remember that asshole lawyer who was in that shop when Nancy walked in? Yeah, he's the executor of this estate because you were like, if Nancy runs into somebody who's an asshole, this is not just going to be a cameo appearance because that ain't how this shit works. If a name is assigned, much like a Chekhov's gun, that bitch going to pop up again. So, yeah, the asshole who was at the store doing whatever, like haggling over some price and being a dick about it, um, is also the executive of the estate who has done jack shit to keep up the property, which that tracks. So, um, they're looking around, um, they hear something weird and Bess is like, what is that? And I'm like, you know, girl, you probably do have PTSD after the moss covered mansion thing where there was a fucking wild cat that pursued y'all at one point. Like, I get it. I get it. But Nancy's like, it's a pigeon. Please calm the fuck down. Um, they get to, uh, Lagia, I, I suppose. They look around. There's like these pools that have been built. It's nice, but they they still haven't found the fucking house. Um. Then they go to. They find a little sign that says the haunted walk, and Bess is like, "Fuck no!" Which we are all Bess. All of us, we are all Bess. And Nancy's like, I think this is fantastic. I fucking love every part of this. Let's go. And George is like, sure. And Bess is like, oh my God, who is going to call the cops? It's fine. Um, so they go up the quote haunted walk and Nancy thinks that she sees somebody in the bushes, but she's like, I, I'm probably just seeing things. Like, it's just a little bit weird out here. And Bess and George are like, what are you staring at? And Nancy's like, nothing. And they're like, Sure, Jan. Um, so they keep going a little bit further, and Nancy sees that the place where she thought somebody was looking at her, there's a summer house back there, like a decrepit falling down summer house. But when she get, looks inside, like there's nobody in there, and she's like, So I'm pretty sure that somebody's out here, and they were kind of um, maybe spying on us. And Bess is like, We're trespassing. Like, we should get the fuck out of here, which, again, good instincts, Bess. Other than wearing a nice dress to a fucking jungle party no um but yeah Nancy's like no this is really cool and and I love everything's happening right now and so she's trying to climb up a wall to see what's on the other side because again they have not yet found the fucking house the castle in question and George is looking up at the wall she's like oh my god oh shit drop drop and Bess just screams because she's beyond words at this point because a fucking copperhead is on top of the wall and is about to bite Nancy. And so Nancy looks up and she's like, oh, shit. And after she's dropped to the ground, she's like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, it wouldn't have killed her, but it would have been super awkward. So at that point, Bess is like, seriously, y'all, seriously, I'm done. Like, I've, I've reached my quota for today. And George is like, well, I do have an appointment later. Side note, the girls always have appointments and they never discuss them. And it's like, is it an OBGYN? Are you getting a trim? Like, what is happening? It's fine. Are they insurance agents? Um, so yeah, so George is like, well, let me climb a tree and see where the fuck we are. And she climbs a tree and she's like, okay, we need to go this way to get to the car. But then she promptly gets lost. And there, Nancy's like, I think we're going around in circles. Um, yeah, let me, let me take the lead on this. And of course, the sky's clouding up again because it's just going to be a gully washer in River Heights. Um, they eventually get back to the car just in time, of course, as soon as they get into the car, these big old raindrops fall on the car. And George is like, okay, that was fun. Um, next time we're going to wear old clothes and we are going to pack a picnic lunch. And we are also going to bring snake anti-venom, which is not the word she uses. She uses some funny word for it. 
like snake remedy. Anyway, so they go back home because, of course, we have to do these things in stages. And also, we need chapter ending cliffhangers. So, um, let me think. The next thing that happens actually is Nancy talks to the lady cop again. Oh, because she invited her to dinner. Like, like I said, there, there definitely seems to be some girl crushing going on here. Um, because when the lady cop comes, which, by the way, Carson Drew has finally made it home from wherever, whatever hellhole he was stuck in for the first few chapters of this book. So he's home for dinner and he's like, oh, you invited lady cop over. And Nancy's like, yeah, it's a thing that I do now. I invite lady cops over to just grill them and find out about their jobs. It's fine. Um, so she shows up, she is out of uniform she actually looks like a lady, like she looks polished and everybody's like, we are impressed. You're doing things right. And I'm like, I can't like, there's a lot of, oh, she's a very feminine lady cop. And I'm like, sure. It's so fucking weird. It's like, they were like, we definitely want to make sure that you understand that she is not a butch lady cop. And I'm like, okay. They're like, despite her profession, she was quite feminine. And you're like, do you have a crush on? Is this based on a person that the author also had a crush on? I mean, no judgment. I'm fine with it. But I've got some questions. Anyway, um, so Lady Cop is like, so have you checked out the will? And Nancy's like, the, sh- no. Should, should I have? What's in it? And the Lady Cop's like, I think you should go check it out. We can go together. We can set up a lunch date. It'll be fine. And Nancy's like, hell yeah, we can. Let's set up a lunch date. We're doing good. Um, because apparently the cop has not checked out the will. And she's like, maybe there are clues within the will. So they do check out the will. And of course, because Carson, um, Nancy is very deeply familiar with all the legal terminology. She doesn't find out much. Um, but she does find out that whenever Flossie returns to claim her inheritance, that there is a definite way that she will be recognized, like some sort of secret sign that that will be known, but it's not actually established in the will what that would be. And Nancy's like, huh. So she and Lady Cop go out to talk to Joan's mom again, which when they're walking into town, like hilariously, the book is like, some of the children were nice and said hello to Nancy, but some of them were rude assholes. (laughs) Because again, we need to reestablish we are in the shitty part of town. It's just real, real bad. And and the children are assholes. Um, Nancy looks over and she sees that Joan, the poor waif, innocent orphan in question, is playing in an alley with that dick who said that Joan should steal Nancy's rose bushes. And they're playing ball with a dog. But then the boy gets upset and is like, you're chewing up my ball and, and hits the dog with a stick. And Joan screams and you're like, trigger warning for animal abuse. Yes. Um which Nancy marches over there immediately and is like, why the fuck are you hitting a dog? The dog is just playing with you. Stop it, you little dick. And the guy's like, was your dog? And Nancy's like, no, it's not my dog. And he's like, then just shut the fuck up. And Nancy's like, you know what? You need to suck a dick. And none of that happened. Anyway, the the majority of it happened. Anyway, so Nancy talks to Joan and she's like, Joan, that boy is a dick stop spending time with him and Joan's like he's the only guy who lives close to me and he always has interesting things for us to do I mean also they're kind of law breaky but and Nancy's like yeah don't hang out with him just saying just 
don't hang out with that dick. Like, why didn't you just head straight home? And Joan's like, because we got no food at home. And Nancy's like, fuck. So she turns into the nearest store, buys some sandwiches and milk, and sends Joan home with those. She's like, take these to your mom. This is enough for both of you. Go have some lunch. Don't hang out with that dick kid anymore. And Joan's like, okay, if you say so, you have bought me food. I will not hang out with him anymore. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, pretty much. Um, So Nancy comes in to talk to Joan's mom again. And she's like, okay, so the will says that there's some way that when your sister returns that there will be a surefire way to know that it's her. And the sister's like, yeah, I got no fucking clue what that is. Like, just zero clue. And Nancy's like, do you think that Hector keep the, the lawyer? And she's like, do not fucking say that man's name to me. And you're like, is there a backstory that we need to know about involving him secretly being the father of that dick kid that hit a dog? Um, but no, apparently Joan's mom is like, yeah, he ain't done shit to find my sister. Like he's pretended, but he, he clearly could not give less of a fuck and I hate him and he is the worst. And Nancy's like, I mean, pretty much. Yes, honestly. So, um, but yeah, she has no clue what the, she's like, maybe it was some sort of end joke between him and, and her. I don't know. She was like, I was so excited when they got engaged. It was secret. So I didn't tell anybody. And then she went away and it was just so sad and it's just so depressing. And then she faints because of course, like that is a sign of infirmity in these books. You just lose consciousness and they're like, okay, we're, we're just gonna be chill and and not talk about it. It's fine. Shh. (laughs) And then they leave. Um, the next day, let me think. I think that for this one, um, Nancy goes by to see me, Hardy, who was like, hey, I'm going to go check out the place where your bone almost got hit. So you want to get in? We're going to go up near where the factory is. Okay. So the Heath family. Um, the father of the Heath family. So the father of the fiance. Um, he immigrated from England and he also was a shell enthusiast. So he gave a bunch of shells to me, Hardy, because he's showing off his collection and Nancy and George are like, oh, these are so cool. And he's like, yeah, I got some of them from Mr. Heath. And Nancy's like, that Mr. Heath? And he's like, no, no, the dad. Um, he came over from England and then he went back for a trip and he died over there and his son took over the business and the business was making buttons. I know you weren't expecting that, were you? Um, but apparently the button industry tanked for whatever reason. Like, apparently they were using the mollusks from the river to make the buttons and something, something, not anymore. Um, so yeah, so the, the factory where they made the buttons has been abandoned basically, but it was kind of, it's about a mile from the estate where the castle is. So he's like, yeah, I can take you up there and it'll be great. Um, so Nancy and George go with him. He catches his lunch. Um, they get some clams. One of them looks a little bit funny. And when George is examining it, it's, it like emits purple dye all over her. And she's like, what the fuck? And me Hardy's like, yeah, isn't that cool? That's a whelk. And it makes purple dye because side note, um, the Nancy Drew books were made to tell impressionable eight year olds all about natural history. (laughs) That's how I used them. And that is why I thought the tunnels were a lot more widespread than they actually are. And that quicksand was going to be a significant problem for me in my adulthood. And that has not so far panned out. I don't know. I got some years left. Maybe it will make a resurgence. So um, they go out there to the button factory and 
they're looking over and Nancy actually sees two guys like go into the button factory. So she's like, okay, that seems a bit sketch. And me Hardy's like, yeah, that is funny. And they also spot the boat, the boat that ran into Nancy, Bess and George the other time. And Nancy's like, those dicks are here. Okay. When last we left our girls, Nancy and George were walking toward the old abandoned button factory over like 17,000 shells on the ground and trying to track down the shifty guy and the guy who probably is the lawyer. And they saw them leaving and so they snuck in and were looking around to see if they could figure out what was going on because they're pretty sure the shifty guy is the guy who ran into their boat, you know, as one does. And they couldn't find anything. It just looked like an abandoned factory. Like there was nothing in there that was noteworthy in any way. And then... The building fucking explodes and George is knocked to the ground and Nancy is also knocked out and like a wall fucking falls and George is like, what the fuck? And um, she gets stunned, comes to and can't find Nancy anywhere. Um, in the meantime, sailor dude um, sees that the building is fucking exploded and comes up to, to see what the hell's going on and he passes within like two feet of the shifty guys and does not see them because of course the grass is just super high so um they get in there and nancy has been like knocked on her ass in a closet and the door was shut behind her because clearly this is a thing that explosions do they gently deposit teen detectives into closets and then just as soundly lock them in there and bury them behind debris so nancy's in there she's knocked the fuck out for a minute and she comes to and is like where the hell am i so she eventually figures out that, you know, she needs to call for help. So George and me, Hardy, dig her out. And they're like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. So, of course, they go straight home. Uh, Carson, of course, as soon as he hears about this, is like, I don't want you going back out there by yourself. <laughs> Which, what good would it do? Because Nancy was not alone at that point either. Um, I'm just saying, just saying. But anyway, um, so Nancy says that the next morning she wants to go out and check out the place because, like, why the hell, what, what happened? Like, why the fuck? What, what exploded? What, what the fuck? It was a button factory. It was not a dynamite factory. So Carson goes out there with it. He's like, I don't have any time, but, um, sure, let's do it. So they go out there and Nancy's looking around and she finds, like, I mean, there's nothing out there. There's old equipment for making buttons and Carson explains the method for making buttons which involves, just as you would expect, cutting out a button and then punching some holes in it. But Nancy looks around and finds a scrap of a note, and it's got the word wall and secret and worthy in it. And she's like, this seems important, because Nancy Drew books are all about scraps of notes. We do not need the whole thing. We need to puzzle this out. So, so she takes it back to the house and is like, okay, something about a wall and a secret. Okay, okay, good. So the next day, she's like... Um, if, because she was having such trouble navigating the fucking place last time, she was like, okay, I am going to take a plane <laughs> and fly over this motherfucker. So she has been studying to get her individual pilot's license. So she goes up with her instructor who was like, girl, you're going to have that license before Ned gets back. And Nancy's like, I hope so. And he's like, and again, this guy's not named, which I find hilarious. He's like, how is Ned? And Nancy's like, he is doing, well, he's in South America, and he's hoping to be home soon. And I hear from him every now and then, and it brings me great joy. And the guy's like, I'm sure it does, because y'all are the perfect couple. 
And you're like, hell yeah, they are. So she gets home after she's flown over the site. She's like, oh, okay, there's the house. And, and so she gets like a pretty good aerial view of what's going on there so that she can figure out where they're supposed to be fucking going. So she calls Bess and George and she's like, okay, tomorrow, let's do this shit. Dress appropriately. And they're, of course, like, we are there with bells on. So they get out there. And of course, as soon as they pull up to the gate, they see a big sign on that says, no trespassing under threat of law. And Nancy's like, son of a bitch. I knew somebody was watching me. And Bess and George are like, uh, hmm. Bess is like, I guess we got to go home now because Bess is 100% me. And George is like, girl, we're going to scale that wall. It's fine. So as soon as they approach the gate, two massive dogs run up and are barking real savagely. And Bess is like, fuck this shit. I'm not here for it. No, I'm, I'm not here for dogs. I'm not here for dogs. Like not, not dogs that are barking like that. And Nancy's like, I'm sure they're fine. So she goes over to the gate and she just very slowly reaches out and she's like, hey, how are you doing? Like just really super chill, very zen. And the dog is like, you are one of us. It's fine. And Nancy's like, they're fine. It's fine. Come on, let's go. So George goes over the wall and the dogs are not super stoked about it, but they endure it. And then Bess climbs on top of the wall and Bess is like, oh my God, the whole time. And the dogs are like, we are going to murder you. And Bess is like, no, no, I can't do this. She tries like two times and she like bursts out crying, which I get like, oh my God. In the books, there's never anything that says like that Bess was ever attacked by a savage dog, but I would not put it past these people. So anyway, Bess is like, I will wait in the car. You two go do what you got to do. Nancy's got a bad feeling that maybe the person she's looking for is being held captive at Heath Castle because the lawyer doesn't seem to be work looking real hard for her. And it may be because he knows exactly where she is. And the answer is within a castle. I love that we're going all old school fairy tales here. So, um, Nancy and George get over the wall. They go inside. They go close to where they were before, but they pick a different path. And um, Nancy's noticed, now that she knows that there's something involving walls, she's noticed that there's clearly some damage marks at the bottoms of some of the walls that are, like, out on the walks and out in the garden and everything. And she's like, it looks like somebody's brought a pickaxe out here and they are just going to town. And George is like, legit. So they're looking around and... I'm pretty sure that they see a statue and the statue is pointing in one direction. And Nancy's like, that feels significant. So they go to where the statue is pointing and there's a pond there and like one of those Walden, it's like a, a created pond. And George is leaning over to look into it and she falls in. Of course she does. And she gets completely fucking soaked. So she's like, well, oh shit. And Nancy's like, Okay, well, I mean, it's a warm day, so why don't you just take your clothes off and I'll put them out to dry and it'll be fine. And George is like, okay. So she goes over to this tool shed that happens to be nearby and takes her clothes off. And so Nancy spreads them out so that they can dry out so she can put them back on. And then Nancy starts investigating the pool and she sees that there's some of those whelk shells that George had spotted before. And she's like, huh, the I don't think they were eating them. Like, there's a fuck ton here. This is far more than people would eat. Like, what the hell? I don't understand. So, she's looking around, and she's she sees a path, and she's like, I think this is the way to the house, and completely fucking forgets that George is, like, naked in a tool shed. <laughs> As one does. So, she eventually does find the house, and because she feels like 
the dancer may be captive in the house. She looks around to find a way inside and there are towers and she's like, perfect. A tower would be the perfect place to, to keep a captive. So she goes in and she sees that there's some furniture there, but not a lot, which was surprising to her because she was like, I thought that this place was left to her with everything intact. So that seems sketch. Um, so she looks around, she notices that she goes up into the tower and it seems to be just an architectural tower. Like there's no room at the top of it. It's, it's just there for show. Um, but she does notice that there's some damage to the walls because again, apparently somebody found that scrap of note before Nancy did. And so they're studying in all the walls to see what, whatever the secret is. So she looks around, she goes over to the other tower and when she tries to get out of the other tower, because she's like, oh shit, George is in a tool shed the door's locked. So Nancy is stuck in a tower. Of course, Nancy's stuck in a tower. Like, can we be more on the nose here? George, in the meantime, is still in that tool shed naked. I, anyway, she's in some state of not being clothed. And this little boy runs by, steals her fucking clothes and runs away. And George is like, hey, and nothing like dude just hauls ass. So George is stranded in a tool shed naked with no clothes. Bess, if you'll remember, is back with the car because she was like, fuck this, I'm not approaching wild dogs. Um, she gets frustrated and she's like, I bet they forgot about me. Like, I, what are they doing? I don't understand. Like, she gets, she gets pissy, but anybody would. Let's be real here. Um, and then she's like, what should I do? The dog, like, she approaches the, the fence. The dogs come back. She's not here for that shit. Um, and then the lawyer's car pulls up. And so... Bess, of course, hides, but she doesn't have the keys to the car because that was stupid. And the lawyer pulls up and sees Nancy's car and Bess is like, oh, shit. So he like the lawyer's out of the car. He's looking around at things. and He's like, oh, hmm. And Bess, who is like, I don't know what the fuck to do, because, of course, if he's if the lawyer is walking in, like clearly she needs to warn her friends. She just has a second to think about it and she gets into the back of the guy's car. <laughs> Because, of course, she's afraid of the dogs and she's not going to be able to make it there on foot and blah, blah. So she rides into the estate in the lawyer's car. He pulls up to the house. So clearly he's been to the house before. He parks there. Bess gets out of the car so that she can find Nancy and, and George. And the dogs see her. And so Bess gets treed by the dogs. So she's up in a tree. George is in a tool shed. Nancy's locked in a tower. Just, you know, they're just hitting it out of the park today two guys come up when nancy's locked in the tower and she hears them talking about how like we've done everything we can to find this thing like i don't know where it could be we've looked everywhere as possible i know that this guy's paying us to look for it but what the fuck and so she hears this and she's like okay well that that makes sense somebody else is looking for whatever this thing is um but in the meantime like she's getting starved with hunger Bess eventually the dogs lose interest and leave after the lawyer leaves um but of course Bess is still on the property so Bess is walking around because she's familiar with the area where she is at this point it's close to the place they were before so she's walking around and she sees the tool shed and she hears somebody calling her name and she's like oh my god because remember of all of them Bess is the one who is perpetually like there's ghosts and there's evil shit around here and we got to be careful so she hears somebody calling her name and she's like oh my god and George is like Bess Bess and Bess is like oh hey hey okay hey where's Nancy 
And George is like, I don't know where the fuck Nancy is. I'm stranded naked in a tool shed. And Bess is like, well, I mean, I've, I've got my raincoat on. So here, put my raincoat on. Um, oh, actually, Nancy, from her tower perch, saw the little boy run up to the, like, up to the beach of the, I guess, the banks of the river and get into a boat and row away. And he, like, trailed George's clothes behind him. So Nancy's like, huh shit <laughs> just a lot of things going wrong um so now Bess and George are together but and they get back to the car but of course they don't have the keys and Bess and George are like what should we do like is Nancy in the back of the lawyer's car like did he smuggle her into the I, I don't know maybe I don't know I don't know we got no car keys so eventually what they decide is that Bess is going to walk to the nearest whatever and get help while George is going to stay with the car because she doesn't know where Nancy is and Nancy might come and, and they don't know where anything anyway it's fine um the guys who come unlock the tower to go into it to look around and so Nancy's able to sneak out while they're doing that and she is of course faint with hunger and she manages to make it back to the car and startles George, who was asleep in the back seat of the car, wearing only a raincoat. Yeah, if this were a different kind of story, this would have gone a different way. If only it had been Ned, asleep on the back seat, wearing only a raincoat. Um, good times. Um, so George is like, oh, shit. And Nancy's like, are you okay? And George is like, um, other than being naked, you know, like, there have been some hitches in today's plans. Um, by that point, Carson arrives with Bess, and Carson's like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're safe, and Nancy's like, yeah, it was, it was pretty fucked up, yeah, um, yeah, the, she's not there, though, like, she's not captive in the tower, and Carson's like, yeah, that, that makes sense, though, that makes sense, so, uh, the next day, or soon after, Carson's like, Nancy, pack your bags, we're leaving town, and Nancy's like, I've got a mystery to solve, and Carson's like, I know, we are going to go to the last place that anybody thinks that the dancer went. And Nancy's like, oh, yes, yes. So they get in, they, I think they take a train. I think it's a train. Um, and they go to another town. It doesn't fucking matter what the name of the town is. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't fucking matter. None of this is real. Um, so yeah, they get, it's Hastings or something. So they go there. Nancy asks around. She eventually finds the woman who like rented the woman a room for the night. But, of course, she fainted as soon as she arrived because fainting is what people do. And so the woman, like, nursed her back to health over, like, three days. And then she said, oh, well, I'm going to go to Plainview or Plainfield or some shit. It doesn't matter. And this was after Nancy had knocked on, like, 17,000 doors trying to find where she had stayed when she was in town. Because, again, this would have happened, like, 10 years ago. So, yeah. So... On the way to Plainview, like, they stop in every town along the way because they don't know if she actually made it there or if that's just where she planned on going. So they decide to just in case because there's no direct train to get to Plainview. So they go along the route that she probably would have taken and they stop in or whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. So they stop in one of the towns on the way and ask around and they find out that apparently soon after arriving in that city... She was hit by a car and taken to the hospital and was told by a doctor that she would have a difficult time walking again. And um, this is where, if you have your bingo card out, this is where the racism happens because they're like, oh, yes, old Joe the Porter, who is black, would remember her. And so he speaks solely in dialects. 
and is like just cheerful and real happy to be there and just like, oh, she was real sweet. And you're like, mm-hmm, sure. I mean, why could Joe not have been the doctor who assisted her? It's fine. Um, but that's the thing, like in this story, a lot of the people who were involved in it have moved on because this is 45. This would have been 1935 that this happened. So a lot of them aren't there anymore. Like they've moved on or they've died or whatever. So anyway, so Nancy's like, well, this sucks. Um, maybe I can find the person who was taking care of her, who was apparently like named Miss Emily or some shit. But they were like, yeah, she left and didn't leave a forwarding address because of course, why would she? So they're staying in town that night. Carson's going to see a friend and Nancy notices that as she's going around knocking on doors, trying to find any sort of other clues, um, that some dude seems to be following her. And then she forgets about it. Um, she has dinner with her dad and her dad's friend. And then they're all talking after dinner when Carson like stands up, creeps over to the door and opens it because the dick is actually standing with his ear against the keyhole. And so he falls into the room. <laughs> And Carson's like, what the fuck is this? And the guy's like, I I was just walking by your room. I don't know what happened. And Carson was like, you had your ear to the damn keyhole, you bitch. What are you doing here? And he's like, I'm not going to talk. And Carson's like, let's see what the cops have to say about that. And so the eavesdropper is like, okay, fine, I will talk. And Carson's like, okay, who hired you? And the man's like, I don't know. And you're like, you're just doing great at answering questions, just doing a real bang up job. So... Carson looks at Nancy and is like, Nancy, why don't you go down to the lobby and start doing elaborate eye winkings? And Nancy's like, clearly, he wants me to go down to the lobby, call the police, get them to send a plainclothes officer out here to follow that guy after he leaves. And so she goes down and arranges all this. <laughs> she calls the police office and is like, hi, I need a plainclothes officer to follow a guy on my authority. And so they're like, Sure. And Nancy's like, how will I know him as he will not be in uniform? And they were like, he will pretend to be lame. And you're like, okay, interesting, interesting choices that you're making here. Not wearing a red shirt or maybe carrying a carnation. Okay. So he walks in and Nancy's like, elaborate eye winks. This is his description. Please follow him. And the guy's like, I got this. So after fruitless questioning, he leaves the hotel and Nancy goes back up to her dad and is like, did I do the right thing? And he's like, you got it in one girl, you know me. So, um, the guy does not report back by morning and I'm like, he's dead in the river. He's probably not. This is an Nancy Drew book. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Carson's like, please forward whatever reports you find to me. We're going back to River Heights now. So, um, Nancy and her father go back to River Heights and of course they're like, okay, so, you know, what do we do now? Like, we don't have a lot of leads right now. We don't know where she is. Nancy's pretty sure that if she was in that car accident and if she was permanently injured and disabled that she would have, Nancy just decides, oh, well, she was so full of pride that she decided she could not come back and that was going to be it. And like one of their theories is that maybe after this happened that she got married and that's why her sisters never heard from her again. Like she moved away, she changed her name. That's why nobody's heard of her. And of course she's not still dancing. So that avenue to track her down would not work. So anyway, so, um, Nancy Bess and George are looking at the slip of paper that Nancy found and are like, okay, wall worthy secret. Yes. Yes. And they're trying to figure out what it could possibly mean when Nancy's like, oh, I got a Christmas present that is a coffee table book full of castles. And so I think that the clue that we need is in that book. 
So it turns out the thing in the book that Nancy's like, this could be a clue, is actually written in Old English, which when Bess and George look at it, they're like, uh, and Nancy's like, I have studied Chaucer, I got this, and the most English majory possible thing that could ever happen in this book. So it's talking about cloister walls and somebody hiding things in cloister walls. So they decide to go back to the place and search the cloister walls. They get me hardy to... They run a motorboat and get me hardy to tie his non-motorboat to the back of their boat so that he can lead them there. Anyway, um, they get there. He's digging for clams. They get into the cloister. The two assholes who are banging up everything and going after shit with a pickaxe come back. Um, Nancy, Bess, and George find an opening in the wall that's revealed when the guys are fucking it up. Um, they're on the other side. And they find a box inside. So they pick it up and run away with it so that the guys don't catch them. And they find a picture of Ira Heath, who is the dad in this, and his wife. And a journal that he was keeping that was that I think um, actually the boyfriend was keeping. Um, talking about how he has developed some dye that he thinks is going to be really cool. And then he says that he is concerned about the chauffeur who his name is Biggs and that he's going to hide the bottles of dye until they're ready so Nancy's like okay so we know that we're looking for that um but they the guys come around and they're like oh let's let's go look over here so Nancy Bess and George end up hiding in like a niche in the wall and then they run into another place I mean uh, this place is a fucking maze um they end up in like this place with a fountain and Bess is like this is the worst day ever we are going to get murdered by these assholes but she takes a drink from the fountain that's in the little place where they are and she's like I feel great it's like I just took some Mountain Dew and it was fantastic and Nancy and George have some too and they're like you ain't wrong this is some good shit they also notice that there's something that says, there's a little brick that says Cinderella that's near the fountain, and then there's underneath it an imprint of a woman's shoe, but it's a very small shoe. And Nancy's like, this feels legit to me. This feels like the way that she would prove her identity if she were to come back, like, because this is a very tiny footprint. And Bess and George are like, seems legit. So they hear a door opening because they've explored all of this tunnel that they can, all of this path that they can, and it goes up to the castle, but the castle door is locked. So they hear the castle door opening and manage to run out and go through the castle. Um, but the dogs are on the front steps, and so when they try to leave, the dogs are growling at Nancy, and Nancy's like, well, they were my friends. And then she's like, oh, the box, the box. They see that I'm carrying a box, and... They think that I'm trying to steal something. So she goes back inside, like, throws the box into a closet, puts the contents under her sweater, and they run away. The lawyer comes out and is like, who's there? And Nancy's like, nothing, and, like, covers her face like the paparazzi's after her. And he's like, no, 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 no. And Nancy's like, whatever the fuck. So they run and get out of there. They can't get back to the beach because the, like, it, it would be too tricky to get there. But also the sailors back there, which one of the ways that they got away from the guys, because the guys were like, let's go look in this exact place where Nancy and her friends are hiding. Um, the, the little asshole who has been just fucking everything up this entire story comes up and he's like, look, there's someone on the, there's someone who's come up here and let me, let me show you. And, and they're like, and he's like, give me a quarter, which I love. He's like, you know what? I got shit for you, but I also need to make bank. So 
So they run off. So Nancy knows that Me Hardy is in danger because the assholes with the pickaxes are, you know, going toward him. So Nancy, Bess, and George end up getting, oh, actually, they go out to the road and they're waiting for the bus when Lady Cobb passes by. And Lady Cobb is like, hey, girl, hey. And Nancy's like, so funny story. Uh, we were trespassing and possibly a sailor is in danger. And can you possibly do something about this? And the woman's like, Lady Cobb is like, as soon as I get to a phone girl, and I'm like, did they not have radios in 1945? Did they not? I don't know. I like, I would think that they would, but whatever. So they get back. Um, Lady cop gets the other cops to go out there. Like, they're like, okay, if you can show them where you were, then that would be helpful. So Nancy goes back to her house and her father's like, hey, let's go do some shit. And so Bess and George are the ones who end up going back. So... Bess and George and the cop go up to the beach, find me Hardy, who is bloody and on the, just like, looks like he's passed the fuck out. And they're like, oh my God, what the fuck happened? His boat is gone. Um, he's like, yeah, the, the guys came up and, and they were like, who's here? And I stupidly said that Nancy Drew and her friends were. And so then they started some shit and then I had to punch somebody and then they came back at me and voila. So... They also, me Hardy also heard somebody saying, we're going to have her arrested for this. And so Bess and George are like, oh, shit. So they, of course, rush back to Nancy's house as soon as they possibly can. However, Carson had a lead on something and like he and Nancy went off to do some shit. And, you know, honestly, I cannot even remember what the fuck it was, even though I literally just read it. But um, I know that they went to that Carson actually tracked down the nurse who was handling the dancer's treatment and he arranged for a meeting with her and blah, blah. Anyway, so when they have that meeting, um, the nurse is like, yeah, she was really nice. Um, she was really sad that she was never going to walk again. Like that was a really a bummer for her as it would be. Um, but she was always really interested in gardening and she always wanted me to get her gardening magazines and she was interested in this place called Clover Farm. So Nancy and her dad are like, cool. So they get in the car and they go to Clover Farm immediately, as one does. And Clover Farm has this big sign that's like, no trespassing, do not come here. In the meantime, after they have left for this, um, the cops come by Nancy's house with a warrant for her arrest. And Hannah's like, you know what? She has skipped town. I do not know where she is. And I do not know when she will be back. So goodbye forever. And the cop's like, shrug. <laughs> Seems legit. They, they don't question it. They're like, well, I was told to serve a warrant and I can't. So bye. Um, when Nancy and her father get to Clover Farm, um, the farmhands are like, you cannot come here. There are big signs. What the fuck is wrong with you? And Carson's like, we really need to see her. And they're like, no. And Nancy's like, look, there's an inheritance she needs to claim. If she doesn't come back within like the next few days, it's she won't claim it. So we need to talk to her about that. And they're like, oh, she's not here. And Carson's like, we were told that she is always here. Like she is a recluse and she does not go anywhere. And they're like, yeah, until a few days ago when a guy from the government said that she had not paid her taxes and said that he was coming, that he was taking her. And Carson's like, that sounds like absolute bullshit. Show me to a phone so that I can call the government. Side note, I love that Carson's like, I have the IRS on speed dial. I know every one of those motherfuckers by name. They're going to tell me some dirt. So the farmhands are like, 
seems legit. So they show him inside. Carson calls the government and immediately is like, this is all bullshit. They would not have done this. Like, he's like, the way that they would have done this is with a letter and they would have had her, like, talk to them. Like, they would not abduct her from her house. <laughs> Which, again, seems reasonable. Um, when Nancy and her father get back to town, to River Heights, like, the next day, they see a newspaper headline that's like, famous dancer returned to claim inheritance. And Nancy's like, what the, what? And it says that she has, she got married to a guy and he, they've been dancing in like Latin America and Nancy's like, oh, so this is bullshit. Like this is 100% absolute bullshit. So she goes to the house of Joan and Joan's invalid mother slash sister of said dancer. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's back in town. Why hasn't she come to see us? We need to go see her. We need to go see her. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and Nancy's like, Yeah yeah let's let's go do that so um they go to the hotel where the imposter is staying and they walk in and joan's mom is like you're really different and the woman's like see because she is speaking real heavily accented english and she's like you're not speaking and hilariously like on the way in joan's mom is like she she married before she said she would never marry a foreigner. And I'm like, I like that we're using racism to establish identity here. That rings true, though. Um, so, yeah. So, clearly, this is not that bitch. And they're talking to her. And she's like, oh, you're you're really different. She's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, but you're going to live in the castle. And she's like, no. We're going to sell the castle. There's apparently already a buyer for it. And I'm going to go back to live with my husband. And they're like, oh, well, shit. And after they leave the room, Tone's like, she was a bitch. She was just a straight up bitch. So, Nancy's like, yeah, and also her feet were huge. <laughs> and Joan's mom is like, what the shit? No, my sister's feet were tiny. And Nancy's like, ding, ding, ding. So, now they know that they have an imposter, and they also know that apparently the dancer is being held captive. So, of course, Nancy heads to the police station, which is exactly what the lawyer wanted her to do. So, she walks in, and they're like, Oh, snap, son, we have a warrant for your arrest. And Nancy's like, on what grounds? <laughs> and the cops are like, you were trespassing. You fucked up some shit. You also stole some other shit. And Nancy's like, I categorically deny every single part of that except for the trespassing. I will own up to that. I was trespassing like a motherfucker. However, I also found evidence of a crime. So she's like, lady cop, lady cop will vouch for me. Where is lady cop? And they're like, she's not here right now. And Nancy's like, get lady cop. <laughs> So eventually the police release her on her own recognizance because her father is the inventor of toaster strudel and he will make life hard for you. So you better fucking let her go. Anyway, so they let Nancy go home. They're like, just come back tomorrow morning. We'll see if we can get this shit strained out. Because of course they can't reach the lawyer to say like, she's got some counterclaims. So they can't do that. Um, let me think. There was something else that happened. I don't remember what the fuck it was. Anyway, um, yeah. So Nancy can't sleep very well. She goes, oh, also um, the imposter is like, oh, well, I have to prove her identity. She's like, well, I have half a note from Walt. And so Nancy looks at it. And so she's able to decipher what the entire note said, which is basically that he's, Walt has hidden something in the walls that will, that will make him famous and then will make him worthy to marry the dancer like 
the dancer is very famous and so he feels like he needs to prove himself worthy of having her which oh sweetie it's okay so the other thing that Nancy's found out um when she goes to like she's made arrangements to get Joan away from the little criminal mastermind that she's living next door to and so when she goes to visit the mom's like oh great news they moved away and Nancy's like they what (laughs) So apparently a moving van pulled up yesterday and those assholes have moved out. And Nancy's like, cool, tell me everything about that. And she's like, yeah, a cob hooker. And Nancy's like, stop, reverse, what? Um, so the little criminal mastermind at the age of 12, his last name is Hooker. His father's name is Cobb Hooker, which Nancy overheard the two assholes who have been like basically trying to fuck up everything in the house. He was addressed as Cobb. The other guy was addressed as Biggs, who you will remember is the chauffeur. So you're like, no, I don't. And it's fine. So Nancy knows that the little criminal asshole, his father is the one who was out there trying to fuck up shit. And of course, Joan was telling everybody that her aunt was a famous dancer and that she was going to inherit all this money. And so she, of course, told little asshole who told his dad because Joan was like, yeah, he said he was, he found a way to make money without doing anything. And Nancy's like, by thievery. So, yeah, so they know that he was probably involved. And they've also said, like, that they've found, they think that they found all the stuff that they were looking for. So, awkward. Um, so, of course, Nancy's like, okay, now, now, the dancer is captive in the castle. Like, I knew it was going to happen. It's it's happening now. Where else could she be? So when she goes to the police station the next morning, she's like, hello, I think that we can solve this mystery. I need to have all the police officers. And they're like, of course, mystery. <laughs> so they send like the entire fucking police force out to the castle and position them all around it so that if anybody tries to leave that they can intercept them. And Nancy goes in with Lady Cop to see if they can locate the captive. They search everywhere, and then Nancy's like, what is this trapdoor? And they locate a dungeon, because of course there's a fucking dungeon. And the lady cop is like, I'm sure they just kept food down here. And I'm like, or they were in the weird sex shit, but sure, let's just go with that. Maybe, maybe some really interesting orgies. We don't know. Anyway, so they, they poke around down there. They hear somebody calling out. Um, they find the dancer who is captive in one of the cells, and you're like, yeah, they were totally just keeping food down there in cells. It's much like Cask of Amontillado in that way. Um, so, yeah. So, they get Flossie out of there, but then somebody, of course, because you fucking know how this works, shuts the trap door and is like, that should hold you. And Nancy's like, cool, we're going to die here. No, no, Nancy never says that. Um, the dancer gets a little bit nervous, as anyone would, and she's like, what is happening? I don't understand. Uh, and Nancy's like, you're, you're flossy. You're the, the dancer I've been looking for. And she's like, no, no. And Nancy's like, you 100% are. I don't know why you're being weird about it, but okay. So they talk and she's like, yeah, I just, I couldn't come home to him. Like, and Nancy's like, yeah, he's, he's dead. Um, we're at his castle, which he has left to you. And Flossie's like, so he always remembered me as the beautiful dancer I was. And Nancy's like, weird but yes he he did and she's like oh like seriously she's like I'm glad that he died before me and that he did not know that I've been permanently disabled which is like really a dick move 
Is the racism bad? 100%. Is the ableism also bad? Also 100%. But anyway, so she's been like barely scraping by on her farm. And so now she's inherited the castle, which she's excited about. Um, Nancy asks about the pearl that was left to her. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Nancy's like, okay, so that's another thing we have to look for. Let me add that to the list. Uh, Lady Cop gets on Nancy's shoulders and blows her a very shrill police whistle to get the other cops to come out there and find them. So the cops come out. Um, they have apprehended the lawyer and the other two assholes who were like, yes, um, she's trespassing, knock her the fuck out. And Nancy's like, j'accuse. And so she's like, yes, you, you kidnapped this old lady. And the, <laughs> the lawyer's like, I do not know what you're talking about. I would never do such a thing. And so eventually... Like, Flossie keeps studying him, and she's like, you kidnapped me. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, you were in disguise, but I recognize your voice. It was you. So, in the chapter-ending plot twist, he's like, well, guess what? There's not a fucking penny in this fucking estate, so there. And then everybody goes home. <laughs> we're not at the end of the book, though, so. Um, Nancy's like, what the fuck happened? So... Flossie has retained Carson to represent her interests in this case because, of course, he is the best defense attorney in the entire fucking world. Also, Toaster Strudel. Um, he looked into it and he found that the lawyer, who was a dick, um, said that he was spending all this money on private investigators to find Flossie and then just pocketed the money. He has spent it. He has very little left to his name, so there's no getting that back. And in other books, they've managed to get shit out of rich assholes, but in this book, they're like, IDK. Um, they go to question the two accomplices, and they find out that they found the bottles of dye that have been hidden in the walls. Nancy's like, were there any notes with the bottles? Like, possibly a recipe. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, I hid them in, in the wall. I'll tell you where they are. So, um, in the meantime, Carson's had people exploring the wall, and he, like, it appears that they looted everything. Like, in the pictures that Nancy found that were in that box, she saw that the guy was wearing certain jewelry, that the woman was wearing certain jewelry, and it is jewelry that was pawned, actually, that was taken to that curio shop that she tried to sell the pearl to before that was shoplifted. Side note, they find out later that the little 12-year-old asshole is the one who shoplifted it, who, like snatched Nancy's purse and took the pearl because he is just a criminal mastermind anyway so um yeah yeah so everything seems super bleak and they're like yeah we're gonna have to just sell the castle because eh. um in the meantime like while she was captive and everything she was talking to Nancy and the lady cop was like you know it would be fantastic near River Heights a house for crippled people, and Flossie's like, oh my god, yes, like, I will do this as a tribute to my darling deceased fiancé, who never knew that this happened to me, because crippled people need to be happy too, y'all. Um, so eventually what happens is they find the formula, Carson actually advances the money to restore the factory and they put a scientist in there with the um the formula the recipe for creating the dye they find the whelks that make the dye out near the castle they give that to the scientist he makes a bunch of dye which is fantastic and he sells it to people apparently um the guy never figured out how to really use it before he died so that like it was kind of like a trade secret I guess anyway um, so 
there's that. So the money coming in from that is enough to help her with the castle. Also, that fountain that you remember, which is flowing with rich, delicious Mountain Dew, um, apparently has restorative powers because, of course, it fucking does. And so it, it seems to revive people. And so they contact some people who like to bottle shit. If you are a snake oil salesman, do we have a fountain for you? So based on those two revenue streams, she's able, um, Flossie, the dancer, is actually able to go in and restore the place. So she goes in and redoes all the gardens, and she sets it up to be this place where people can stay with her, and she's got her sister and her niece living there, and um, she's got all these local crippled children. I've got a lot of questions. It's fine. Um, polio? Um, actually, probably yes. I never say that. Um, so yeah, she sets it up to be a place where everybody can like people who are in need of that can come out there and it's it's really nice and bright and it's not spooky or creepy or anything. And at the end of the book, Carson's like, I have a surprise because of course he does. A lifetime supply of toaster sure don't know. So he opens up a ring box and presents Flossie with the pearl ring that her fiance had had made for her that the dicks found and pawned. And Nancy's like, how did you find it? And Carson's like, so the dick was not smart enough to look for inscriptions. So apparently it was um, inscribed to Flossie and, and like, I will always love you. And she was like, this is the best day ever. So she's like, we owe it all to you, Nancy Drew, which of course, of course they do. And Nancy's like, no, no, it, w it was your fiance who did all this, who, who left the clue so that we could find what we needed in the crumbling walls. So happy times all around. The next book that we are going to pick up in this season is actually Tolling Bell, which, oh my god, if you've ever been like, what would Nancy do if she were on shrooms? I have some answers for you. Also, Ned is back from the war. Oh my god. There is just a rich cornucopia of Nancy Ned content in the next book, which I am deeply, deeply excited to share with you. So, if you are intrigued, as you damn well should be, because elves are involved... I know, right? Elves. Then tune in next week to hear all about the tolling bell. And as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.